Please join me in Matthew 6. This is our second installment of Fear Factor. This is a series of messages um, about overcoming fear. And uh, something we're all uh, acquainted with is fear. And so let's go to Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. These are the words of Jesus himself. He says this, that is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Rather, you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Verse 26, look at the birds. Look at the birds. I love that. Look at the birds, man. Just look at the birds. They, uh, they don't, sorry, look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns. For your heavenly father feeds them. They aren't, and aren't you more valuable to him than they are? The prophet Zechariah said that you are the object of God's affection. When God sees you, he loves you with a pure love. He has every intention to take care of you and to uh, give you the best life he possibly can with your trust and your faith and your obedience. And so he says here, uh, doesn't your heavenly father feed them? And aren't you more valuable? Verse 27, can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Can all your worries? I love the way Jesus is teaching here. Very practical, kind of like just a a common sense kind of talk. You know, he's not all deep. He's, you know, the people are just, they're loving it. Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? He says this in verse 28, and why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was uh, was not dressed as beautifully as they are. Solomon is what the Bible considers the richest man to ever live and also the wisest man to ever live. And he is saying that the lilies of the field were flyer than Solomon. And so he says this here. Uh, Verse 30, and if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown in the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? Verse 31, in conclusion for now, so don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? Today I want to bring a message entitled Sabotaging Worry. Sabotaging Worry. And uh, we are a note-taking church, so hopefully you are ready to take note. This past summer, I was at Camp Sunshine. And, uh, yeah, we have a few campers. Give it up for Camp Sunshine, guys. A few uh, camp leaders and counselors. They take care of a lot of kids throughout the summer. We are praying for them and their strength. And I preached a message called Failure Isn't Final. And at the end of the message, uh, I think over 25 young adults gave their hearts to Jesus. And uh, it was just a a good evening. And uh, it felt good. Message flowed. I had preached this message like three times before. So walking around doing my thing, you know. Unlike today, I'll be right here because my layout is not like it typically is. So I got to stay here for the most part. um, What they didn't know is that the entire time I was preaching, my phone was buzzing. And I was just going off and going off and going off. So, you know, these kids give their hearts to Jesus. Man, 
looks all great. It's amazing. I zoom straight to the back of the church, out the back door, and I check my phone. I have like 10 missed calls from my brother. He leaves four messages. I check the messages. He's crying, and he's saying that dad is terribly sick. He's in a bad condition. And so um, I'm worried, and I'm crying, and just, I just kind of want to leave. I, you know, I dry myself off, you know, I dry my eyes off because, you know, Chris is, Chris and Lance are going to drive me back home, and I don't want to really show my emotions in the, in, the, in the moment. But a night of winning became a night of worrying. You know, it was worry due to the fear of my father dying. It was worry due to the fear of not having that last moment with him, not knowing if I was going to be able to make it to Florida in time to spend time with him. It was worrying about the worst-case scenario. And today, some of you, some of us, are worried that we won't have enough. We won't have enough of whatever it is. We're worried about relationships, what people are saying, and what people are doing. We're worried about how our kids are going to grow up and how they're going to turn out. A lot of us are worried about our future. We don't know what the future looks like. Some of us are worried about tomorrow morning. We don't know what tomorrow at work is going to look like. We're worried. We don't know if we're going to meet the quota. We don't know if we're going to make the sales. Or we don't know if we're going to be able to afford the home that we currently live in. A lot of us are worried, worried, worried. The, the word worry in the Greek that Jesus is using here is defined as to be drawn in opposite directions. He's saying don't worry. Don't be drawn in opposite directions. Don't worry. God, God's got you. That's what our kids are learning. God's got you. Judah, what did you learn in HL Kids today? God's got you. He's been saying that for a year now. What else is he learning back there, kids' team? In the pre-K class. No, no, I know, I know. He's learning that God made him and God loves him. It's changed. It's two things in a year, so you guys, are, it's changed. God got it, you know. All right, Judah, your turn to pray. God got it. In Jesus' name, amen. It's grace. It's bedtime. The same prayer. God got it. All right, we'll go with that. But Jesus is saying, don't worry. Don't be drawn in opposite directions. I have a worry brain graphic here. Represents a brain that is worried. You have retirement and your, your kids and your parents and your future and your finances getting worried, you're one brain, you're one mind, but you're focused in multiple directions. And, and this part is getting a piece of your brain, and this part is getting a piece of your mind, and this part is getting a piece of your mind, and you are worried. And so here's a note here. Uh, my next point here is, is this. To worry is to focus on things that are outside of our control. To worry is to to focus. Rightfully so, I'm concerned about my father, but I can do nothing about it. I can do nothing about it. I know doctors at that hospital. I know nurses. I'm connected at that hospital, but there's nothing I can do. It's outside of my control. To worry is to focus, or if we can take this a bit further, to obsessively think on things that are outside of our control. To, to want to control it. After eight years of parenting, 
it has become quite apparent, I like that, parenting and apparent, that I have no control over my boys. I have no control. A 10-year-old and a 4-year-old, absolutely none. I can modify behavior. I can lock them in their room. I can, I believe in a good old spanking. I don't know about you. I can spank that butt. (laughs) But it does not control them for too long. And write this down. To want to control is to want to determine the outcome. To want to control is to want to determine the outcome. And that's where we get worried. Jesus is saying, you, you, you can't determine the outcome of if there will be enough fabric in the world for you to have clothing by this time next year. Saying that's totally out of your realm of control. My next point here, we don't have the power to determine outcomes. There's an illusion that we are in control. But we don't have the power to determine outcomes. A lot of this is going to be extremely simple today, yet profound. I love the way that Jesus even spoke and taught. It is, in fact, truth that Jesus spoke monosyllabolic in the sense that when he spoke, he spoke so that the the most uneducated person to the highest educated person could understand him. But he did not come to impress people. He came to interject the power of God into their lives. The truth of the matter is, is no matter how much money you have, or no matter how much money you don't have, the fact of the matter is, is that we all have limits. And we cannot control everything that we want to control. That's just true. Um, Amazon tried to move into uh, Queens, New York recently. Jeff Bezos being the richest man in the world right now at the moment. Queens, New York kicked them out of New York. Kicked them out. No matter how much money they have or the 25,000 jobs that they promised New York and the $5 billion that they were going to bring to the state and Jeff Bezos being the richest man in the world. He couldn't move around enough money. He could not move around enough influence. He could not pay off this person and this person and this person. Queens, New York said no. And so as a result, Amazon will not have a headquarters in Queens, New York. It was not in his control. So if I had more money, I could do this. You don't know that. If I had, if if I could get President Obama to come speak, it'd change every. No, you don't know that. If I had a gun, I could, I could. No, you'd probably get in trouble the way you're talking. (laughs) You have no control. I have no control. As a matter of fact, this morning I had no control. In in regards to if you were going to come to church, I, I prepared my message. I prayed over it. I weeped over it last night. I submitted my slides to our creative team, and I prayed over it. And I said, Lord, we wanna, I want to I wanna sever the power of worry in people's lives. We're going to deal with worry this morning. You know, I poured my heart out, and I prepared and all this stuff, and I stayed up late. I prayed, Lord, that you would just bring it in and that you would work through it. But, you know, I could be standing up here in front of no one this morning. I had no control in your decision to come to church. We have no control. You have no control if, if you're going to have a job tomorrow morning. For my, for my married people, you have no control over 
a faithful or an unfaithful spouse. You can continue to be faithful, but if they choose to walk out and be unfaithful, you can't control that. We've walked through that in our two years. We've walked through those situations as pastors, and it's heart-wrenching. You guide and you counsel and you love and you give them the word of God and you pray and you tell them the kids need you. Don't do this. Stay home. Stay grounded. This is where the blessing is. No matter what we do as pastors, if people want to leave home, they're going to leave home. We can't control it. Do you understand what I'm saying? Control is an illusion. And that's where we worry. We worry about things that are outside of our control. I'm driving this, home, this point home for a reason. We have a good old talk with someone. We leave away with an understanding, with peace, with an agreement. You have no control in if that person's going to be faithful to what you all talked about. You have no control if someone wants to smear your reputation and your character. You have no control. So worrying, our next point here is this. Worrying tears us to pieces. Worrying tears us to pieces. When I'm focused on things I can't control, I get anxious and my blood pressure rises. And I eat McDonald's at midnight. <laughs> I just do stuff. Stay on Instagram for hours. Jesus came to inaugurate a kingdom, if you're taking notes. He came to start a kingdom. Not an earthly kingdom, but a spiritual kingdom. In which he termed kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, or interchangeably, the kingdom of God. And so I love how Christ comes and he talks to people. And um, he said things like this in John 6, 38. He said, for I have come down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me, not to do my own will. So he's making an apparent that his citizenship is in heaven, but he came down to do the will, to present the will, to make the will of God clear to us, and to do the will of the Father. He came to inaugurate a spiritual kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. He said things like this in John 18, 36. Jesus answered, my kingdom is not an earthly kingdom. If it were, my followers would fight to keep me from being handed over to Jewish leaders. But my kingdom is not of this world. They didn't know what to do with Christ. He said, if my kingdom was like the earthly kingdom, I would teach my people to worry. He's saying, if, if my kingdom was like the earthly kingdom, I would teach my people that you're in control of your future. You dream that dream. You get that income. You look for that perfect person. You control your destiny. It's in your hands. I would teach them those things. I would teach them, hey, I'm, I'm arrested. I'm about to be crucified. I haven't done anything wrong. I would teach my people to fight and break me out of this. But I, no, I, I came to die. So there's something about relinquishing control that leads to freedom and eternal life. There's something there about that. There's something about relinquishing control and stepping into everything that God has for you. I have an earthly kingdom and a kingdom of heaven diagram here. 
Just a few things about what the Bible teaches about the earthly kingdom that Jesus is referring to. If you're taking notes, I'm in a teaching mode this morning. The earthly kingdom is temporary. The world that we see, it, it is temporary. It is broken. It is fallen. A lot of people will ask me as a pastor, like, how could God allow that to happen? And my answer often is, is how could we not trust God when he's given us so much? Everything that happens in the world, God is not, has not approved. But God is always knocking, Jesus said, knocking at the hearts of men with his love and his forgiveness and his grace, calling us home. You don't have to do that. The Bible describes God as a gentleman. Satan will tell you, punch her in the face, jump off this hill, do this, do that. And I mean, he's yelling it and he's putting it in our face and he's putting the music up loud and Satan's just, ah, do it. Be discouraged, be irritated. Undermine your boss. Dishonor leadership. Ah. God's just like. How could, how could God allow that? He doesn't. He doesn't. It's because we're broken. We're sinners. All of us are sinners. That's not a, a condemning statement. It's truth. The Bible says that all have fallen short of the glory of God. When Adam and Eve sinned, We've been born with a sin nature. We're all broken. Thus, this worldly system, this earthly kingdom is broken. The earthly kingdom is spiritually depleted. Looks good on the outside, but void of God on the inside. Void of God on the inside. The earthly kingdom fades away. This is why companies go down. This is why powerful nations, on average, 218 years fades away. God has had a grace on America because of Jesus Christ. We've withstood the 218-year average. We're pushing 240-something years because this nation was founded upon Christ principles, kingdom principles, and we're getting far away from that. And now as a result, we see the brokenness begin to creep in and grow, the suicide rate astronomical the divorce rate astronomical debt astronomical because we're slowly getting away from the principles that Christ came to teach and preach and we're getting back to the earthly we want to look good on the outside but we're dying on the inside and as a result of that our lives are fading away fading away fading away and the most important thing I think about this earthly kingdom Paul calls this this earthly kingdom. He says that the God of this earthly kingdom is Satan. He says that this earth, this thing that we want to hold on to, he says the God of it is, in fact, Satan, the lowercase g. He's not a big g. He's a punk. He's a lowercase g. He is, in fact, Satan. And the best thing I think about this earthly kingdom is that it is, in fact, inferior. So Jesus said, I have come from heaven to inaugurate to found, to launch the kingdom of heaven. And so some things about the kingdom of heaven is, is this, it is in fact eternal. It is perfect. It is spiritually rich. 
which means this, like, Pastor, I get it. I hear all this deep stuff, this biblical stuff. What do you mean by all this stuff? Well, this is what I mean. Spiritually rich means that it is first unseen. It is first unseen, and it is conceived within the hearts of men. So when Jesus says that my kingdom is not of this world, and he prays um, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, when men give their hearts to King Jesus, he takes over our hearts. And he builds us from the inside out. And his agenda has always been to start, found, and to saturate the, the, the earthly kingdom with the kingdom of heaven through the people that believe in him. So this is how we, when someone gives their hearts to Jesus, you grow in prayer. You change your friends. You change your ways. And as you're changing and as you're growing in Christ and as you're praying and you're seeing that God is answering your prayers, you're growing on the inside. But when you see God answer your prayers on the outside, you start to smile. You start to have more joy. You start to have more peace. You start to let things kind of roll off your shoulder. You don't gossip about the small things. You don't worry about the small things. You treat people better. You honor people. You treat them with respect. You pray for people. You show up. You support people. You strengthen people. You do all this stuff that the world does not do. And what are you doing in that moment? You're, you're interjecting the kingdom of heaven into the earthly kingdom. The kingdom of heaven is spiritually rich. Spiritually rich. Spiritually rich. And it's manifest physically. So it's unseen first, then it manifests without. The earthly kingdom is seen first, and it fades within. Therefore, the without fades as well. Do you see what I mean? It's seen first. Look at me. Look at my money. Look at my power. Look at me. Look at this. Look at that. Look at that. It's seen first, but it's spiritually deplete, so it starts to fade without. The Bible even says that uh, uh, man's Man's life is like a vapor of air. It goes that quick in the sight of God. My 80 years, my 85, 90 years is like this to God. And it's essentially why Jesus came to establish his eternal kingdom. Because though my life is short here on earth, when I die, the Bible teaches us is this. The Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So when I die here, I enter into the presence of God. It's an eternal kingdom. You live forever. This is why as Christians, we're not afraid of death. Because we live forever. But the great part about the kingdom of heaven and the earth is that we don't have to wait to get to heaven to walk with God. We can walk with God here in this broken world. And I think the greatest thing about the kingdom of heaven is that it is, in fact, superior to the earthly kingdom. So how do we enter the kingdom of heaven? A guy named Nicodemus in John 3, I said I'm teaching. Is this okay? Hopefully I'm not boring a lot of you. I got saved on good teaching. Like, it's, this guy taught something crazy, and I'm like, okay, I need to give my heart to Jesus. That's enough. Like, I'm tripping. So hopefully, you know, teaching is. How do we enter the kingdom of heaven? So a guy named Nicodemus came to Jesus in John chapter 3, if you're taking notes. And he said, it is, it is a fact that you are from God, you are of God. These signs are miraculous. 
the power, the healing, how do you enter into the kingdom of heaven? He says that you see the kingdom of heaven. In order to see the kingdom of heaven, you must be born again. Born again. He said, that's kind of weird. Like, do I re-enter my mom? Like, what do I do? How am I born again? Like, I'm like 85 years old. That's weird. Mom's dead. Like, so what do you mean? Then he says, in order to enter the kingdom of heaven, you must be born of water and the spirit. Then he goes down a few verses and he says, this is how you enter the kingdom of heaven. Believe in me. For God so loved the world that whoever believes in me will not perish but have eternal life. So you enter the kingdom of heaven by making Jesus the king of your heart. That's how you enter in. That's how you access everything that heaven has for you. By making Jesus the king, not just the savior. I teach people all the time, Jesus is more than fire insurance. Give my heart to Jesus, I'm not going to hell. No, like there's a kingdom. There's something that God wants to build in your life, through your life, in your city, in your nation. There's something that God wants to do. He wants to bring his kingdom into the world through your life. He wants you to access the resource of the kingdom through your trust, through your faith. And it is a superior kingdom. And there's no lack in that kingdom. And there's everything you need in that kingdom. And there's everything good in that kingdom. And there's the plan of God in that kingdom. And there's freedom in that kingdom. And there's liberty in that kingdom. And there's power in that kingdom. The impossible in that kingdom. It is superior. So a few things that make up a kingdom, and there are many, but a few things is, number one, a king. You need a lord. He is lord and savior. He controls your life. You're submitted to his lordship. Jesus, if you tell me to go here, I'll go there. Jesus, if you tell me to move to Gaithersburg, we'll go there. Jesus, if you tell me to help fix this man's car for free, even though I need the money, I'm going to fix it for free. Jesus, if you call me to marry her and to raise that kid, I'm going to marry her and raise that kid. I'm going to trust you because there's something there that my worry is trying to keep me from. There's some, some richness there. there. There's some experience there. There's some resource there that my worry is trying to keep me from. And God, you're, you're the Lord of my life. So whatever you call me to do, that shall I do. And when I do that, I unlock the resources of the superior kingdom. He's the Lord. Is he your Lord? Do you obey him? Do you step out on what he says? Or are you worried that if you obey him in this, you're going to be missing out? When in fact, if you obey him in this, you're going to gain everything you'll ever need. He is your Lord. So the one thing that a kingdom has is a king. Another thing it has is citizens and people. It also has a domain, uh, land. Like when we moved here, we said we're going to advance the kingdom of God. When we say we're going to start 20 locations in 20 cities in 20 years, what is that advancing the kingdom of God? There are more marriages in Frederick that need healing. 
There are marriages in Silver Springs that need healing. There are teenagers strung out on drugs in Hagerstown that needs healing. So we're going to advance the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God, not an earthly kingdom. Not, 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 no, the kingdom of God. It's only God that can set an addict free. It's only God that can heal a sick body. It's only through the power of the church that the power of God is advanced in the world. This thing is bigger than this. We, we got somewhere to go. Advance a kingdom. Then one thing, I think the most, the, 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 the favorite part about a kingdom, the thing I love is the laws of the land that a king sets forth. What you can call these, if you're taking notes, are acceptable principles. Acceptable principles. A principle is something that is an instruction that leads to the release of a resource. So if you do this, this is going to be the reward. A principle. Let me, let me help us out here. When Jesus arrived on the scene, he did not teach the law of Moses. He fulfilled the law. So you don't have to do any work to receive salvation. All you have to do is trust Christ. And so let me, let me help you out on this. Jesus did not teach the law of Moses. He taught the principles of the kingdom of God. So here it is. You're worried about all this stuff. This is the principle. Don't worry. John, you caught that. Don't worry. That's the principle. Don't worry. You can probably write a whole list right now of things that you're worried about. You know, you put Jesus at the end with colon and you put just don't worry in quotation marks. Don't worry. That's the greatest thing I love about the kingdom of heaven is when Jesus arrived on the scene, he taught the principles of the kingdom of heaven. And there, there's something here about the principles of the kingdom of heaven. It says this here, that women aged 18 to 49 years old are more anxious than men at the same age. 18 to 49, 57% to 38%. And it says older Americans aged 50 and up also report the same outcome for women and men, 39% to 24%. It says this here, um, that Americans have great anxiety about paying bills. Nearly 75% of female respondents and 75% of young adults said they worry about paying their bills. Amongst other things, Dr. Drew Ramsey from Columbia University in New York City, our behavior has made us more anxious. We've become more polarized. People are more vocal about their complaints. And we've grown less civilized in how we care for one another. So we could blame this on certain people or circumstances, but mental health is all about taking responsibility. Taking ownership. And so Jesus is telling them, your worry, take ownership, and don't worry. Don't worry. And he says this here. Let's pick it up here in Matthew 6, 32. Matthew 6, 32. These things dominate the thoughts of believers, but your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. These things, the 
retirement, my kids, my grades, my teachers, my friends, this and that and this. These things dominate the thoughts of those who are in the earthly kingdom. I have come to teach you principles of the kingdom of heaven. And he says this here in verse 32. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly father already knows all your needs. He's talking to a generation of people who think that God is just a celestial being in the sky who does not care, who is not involved, who is not there, who is not love you. And what is he doing? What is he doing? He's introducing them to the kingdom of heaven, the father. And he's saying your father is with you. Your father is for you. Your father sees every need. Your father sees the things that you have no control over, and he has a plan for those things. He says, don't allow these things. Take ownership of your thought life. We talked about it last week. Value your thoughts. Fix your thoughts on things that are high. This is how you overcome fear. This is how you overcome worry. Oh, my God, I, I'm about to mess up right now. I need to stay right here. The things that hit my mind, atomic bombs of negativity before moving here. Oh, my God. Atomic bombs of negativity when Jay had epilepsy. Oh, my. The atomic bombs right before I was going to propose to Kyra. We got into the craziest fights. Just the atomic bombs. And every time you're about to step into something that, that the kingdom of heaven is about to bless in your life, you can expect the atomic bombs to just come. And to, don't do it. Don't pray. Don't think about it. No, 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 no. You won't do it then you can't do it and you won't have enough and they're going to hate your guts you better not try you better not talk you better not speak out you better believe you're going to die you better believe you can't make it just the atomic bombs and so Jesus just comes in he says look at the birds look at the birds don't worry Could it happen? Yeah, it's possible. Could they cheat? Could they lie? Could you lose all your money? Could you get kicked out of school? Could your kids grow up crazy? Yeah. Yeah, it's possible. I'm the baby of 24. Will that phone keep ringing? And, and aggravating you and keep on the other end of it with bad news all the time? Yeah. Probably happened right after church. It's probably happening now. I'm the baby of 24 kids. I'm the only one who's never been to prison or jail. You don't think my parents were worried? You don't think they've been praying for 31 years that at least one of them would get it? Could they say that? Yeah. Could this be the worst year of your life? Yes. Don't worry. He came to teach the principles. And what he's saying is, is this. You got to take ownership. Ownership. And this is what he says, verse 33. Seek the kingdom of God and live righteously. And he will give you everything you need. So his encouragement here is to shift your focus from the problems of the world to the principles of the kingdom. Shift your focus. And I'm going to give you two principles out of the 
hundreds we could talk about. I just don't have time. I'm going to give you two things that Jesus did when he was on the earth and how he sabotaged worry in his own life. Two things he consistently did in his life. Two things that you can do anywhere in any area of your life. Two things that he did. The first thing he did to sabotage worry was this. He prayed about everything. This is a principle of the kingdom of heaven. Don't worry about anything. Philippians 4, 6 through 7. Don't worry about anything. This is Paul. He sounds like his Lord. <laughs> he kind of he owned it. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. So instead of worrying, I'm going to pray. Lord, I, I need this. I'm short in this area. My heart hurts in this area. I miss my father. I miss my mother. I need, I need finances. I need a breakthrough. I need a door to open. I need a connection. I need to understand this material. Lord, you gave Daniel the, 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 the ability to learn all manner of knowledge. God, give me the spirit of Daniel. Like, help me to learn this stuff. Like, allow the answers to pop up off the page while I'm taking the test. Like, give, Lord, I need you. But you know what? Beyond needing you, I'm grateful. I'm thankful for my home. I'm thankful for my clothing. I'm thankful that I'm, I'm closer to where I want to be and I'm further from where I used to be. I'm grateful for progress. I'm grateful for a community of faith. I'm grateful for safety. I'm grateful for food. I'm grateful for your presence. I'm grateful for my spouse. I'm grateful for my kids. I'm grateful for your power. I'm grateful that I'm going to college. I'm grateful that I have a degree. I'm grateful that I'm moving forward. I'm, I thank you. I thank you, Lord. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts as you live in Christ, the king. There's something, there's, there's something that sabotages worry when you just give it to Jesus. I don't know. I don't know. I'm grateful, but Jesus, you take it. I'm tired, but Jesus, you take it. The ease. You remember that last week? The ease, the calm. I'm going to teach you this. <clears throat> so uh, if you're taking notes, draw a circle on your paper. I'm going to teach you about your sphere of grace or your sphere of influence. Draw a circle. And put your name in the middle, your beautiful, handsome name. That's how I covered both genders. And put your name there. <clears throat> and what I've come to find out is, is that Paul talks about this sphere of influence in our lives. Meaning that within this circle, I have the grace to manage and to steward this. Everything outside of the circle, I have no power, no control over. And so I steward and I manage this. I pursue my wife's heart. I date her, I budget the money we have, I lead the church as well as I can with the grace of God. Outside of this circle, this circle, everything outside of this circle, that's what I pray into. That's what I pray into. The things I don't have control over. When I do what I can do and I pray into what I can't control, God will do what I can't do about the things that I can't control. So, God, I need this contract to fall through. 
I need this person to move out of the way. I need this and I need that. So, God, I'm grateful here and I'm going to work it here. So, essentially what Jesus is saying is this. Seek God in what you do have. Live right in what you do have. This, this word righteously, it, 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 it's, it's synonymous to reward. So, there is a thing to seek, the principles of heaven. And there is a way to live that releases the resource of heaven into my life. So I'm going to live righteously within this sphere. Within this sphere. Within this sphere. And I'm going to pray into the things that I cannot control. Pray about everything. Pray about everything. Pray about everything. There are things I'm praying about. Just just praying about. Just, just praying about. And the great part about it is I'm not worried about it. Because I know God's going to do it. And that's where you got to get to. You got to start praying today in order to see those prayers answered tomorrow. So that when you get to tomorrow, there's a new worry. You start praying again. And so you can enter into the next tomorrow. And when you get there, you're going to do some new worries. You got to pray there. And so you can get to the next tomorrow. Got to get to the next tomorrow. Pray into tomorrow pray into those relationships you can't control into the money that you need into the people that you want to reach for Christ you've been inviting them to church for two years they still won't come pray into that pray into that person's heart that heart and heart who's been hurt by the world but they need God you have to pray for that heart because they need God and they need you to pray for them because they, they need God. So don't worry that they're not going to be saved. You just got to pray for them. God goes to bed with them. God walks with them. God gives them breath. God is with them every day. But you pray and you agree by faith that God will move in their lives and in their heart. You got to pray. Jesus did two things mostly. He did a lot, but he did two things. He prayed a lot. He prayed. He prayed before he started his ministry. He prayed before he picked his disciples. He even prayed before he walked on water. He prayed before he went to the cross and got up out of that sucker three days later. He prayed into the thing that he could not control. Let's, when we read in Christ, don't, don't get all spiritually deep with Jesus like he could just walk on water. No, Christ was God in a body, which means that he understood his limitations. And the Bible says that he did not tap into his divinity. So it means that he did not cheat and say, well, I'm going to activate God mode and walk on the water. No, 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 no. Go read the story. Matthew 14. That joker sent the disciples on a bus. He went into a hill and he prayed. He prayed. He came down from that hill. Oh, yeah, I'm doing it now. I ain't worried about sinking. I ain't worried about drowning because I done prayed. Jesus ain't never swam a day in his life, but he walking on water. He don't got to worry about drowning when he done prayed. Pray about. That's a, that's a principle of the superior kingdom. Prayer. That's how you rebuke cancer. That's how you rebuke AIDS. That's how you rebuke anxiety, depression, stress. You got to pray that thing out. You got to pray like you never prayed before. It's a principle of the superior kingdom of God. I thought you had cancer. Oh, you didn't know? I'm a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, and I've been healed. 
I thought you was having problems with that person. Oh, you didn't know? God moved him out a month ago because I'm a citizen of the kingdom of God. And I started praying, and heaven got to moving. Oh, yeah, it's good. I know it's good because we got somewhere to go. That, that's what I was talking about. That's why I got that sphere, babe. You, you was kind of going to bed and like, because you think at a million miles per hour. And I'm like, I'm like, babe, let me show you something. I'll preach it to the church in a couple weeks on this new series. I got this sphere. I've never told you this. I told you this that day. I got this sphere I operate in. There's a mindset. This is all I can do. But I'm going to pray into that and about that. And I'm going to go to bed tonight. I'm going to sleep because the Bible says that God gives his saints sweet sleep. That's the principle. <laughs> so I'm not going to worry. I'm going to pray and I'm going to lead and I'm going to be with people and do community and be present and love people and pastor the 400 that are still here. I ain't going to worry about what's out here. God's going to take care of that. Do you get what I'm saying? Pray about everything. 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 Heaven wants to do it. Talk to God. Bring it to God. Receive the peace from knowing that God is working. The second thing we got to do, the second principle is serve God in everything. Serve God in everything. I, I want to hear by this time next year that, oh my God, someone just told me after the 915 service, they said, Pastor, uh, you said a couple weeks ago to wake up at like 6 in the morning, get a prayer partner. I've been doing that, 615 in the morning, and uh, my life has changed dramatically in four weeks. Because when you, I'm supposed to be on serving. I, the Holy Spirit won't let me leave from prayer. Because when you, when you, when you pray, come on, Jesus. When you pray, you're telling God that I'm depending on you. That, that there are things that I want to do. That I, within my own power, I can't do. And I need you to show up. And heaven honors that. Heaven honors when, when you tell God, like, I need your lordship. I need your power. I need your presence. I need you to protect my children. I need you to get them around the right people. I need you to help me focus. I need you to help me get this right. I need the breakthrough. I need the clarity. I need the peace. I need the opportunity. I can't open this door. I've studied. I've hustled. I've bustled. I've tried. I've prayed. I've cried. But God, I need you. I'm dependent on you. Heaven opens up when you tell God that you are dependent on him you got to pray about everything pray about everything you got to pray about everything i remember the first six out of seven people said no to this church plan i tell you all this every week guess what we did we prayed lord we may not know them but send them and then uh, uh becca came on came on instagram and she found us y'all know the story north dakota facetime we didn't know this girl she was just up in the basement i said the other week she was freezing but god sent her and she visited us a few months later, and we looked all googly-eyed at each other. 
Kyra, Chris, and, and I'm sorry, Kyra, me, and Becca. We just googly eye. And I told her, I said, Becca, never leave us. Please never leave us. And I just told her, you remember this, Becca, in our kitchen in Altamont Springs, Florida. Florida. I said, Becca, I feel like if you join us, we would be unstoppable. You were God sent. We needed your presence. We needed your leadership. We needed your deposit. We needed your anointing. We needed your power. We needed your wisdom. We needed your perspective. And we prayed for you, and God sent you to us. And so did he send the rest of our amazing team, and we prayed. Then we moved on in town, and we started interest meetings. Nine crazy people that ain't have nothing, no connections, no money. We had some Ikea chairs and a, and a something and a pub table and a TV. And what did we do? We would show up with a godly pride, and we would stand in a circle, all nine of us, and we prayed, Lord, we've come here to advance the kingdom. There are people here who need us, who don't know you. They need hope. They need a home church, and we're willing to serve, and we prayed about it. Prayer. 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 Prayer has started some of the greatest revolutions in this nation. Prayer. Serve God in everything. Matthew 23, 11 through 12 says this. The greatest among you must be servant. But those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. Serve God in everything. That's the principle, serving. You can serve in your home. You can serve your kids as a parent. You can serve God in your singleness. You can serve God in your marriage. You can serve God at work. You can serve within your local church. I love when people become a part of Super Steps because they're becoming servants and they're on the path to greatness. It's a, it's a kingdom principle. So if, if you're thinking in an earthly realm, you're like serving. I'm football on Sunday. I'm trying to chill on Sunday. God's like, okay. Serving. Serving in your community. God promotes. God blesses. God elevates. God grows. Servants. Servants. Because when you're serving the needs of other people, you're taking your mind off your worry and you're addressing their worry. And when the kingdom of heaven sees that you're addressing their worry, the kingdom of heaven opens up its resource to address your worry. Because your mind and your heart is geared towards helping other people. And so as you are depleting yourself to help other people and to solve other people's problems, heaven has to open up and say, this is a servant. This is a vessel. Let me release the money. Let me give the strength. Let me give the energy. Let me give the relationships. Let me give the resource that only heaven can provide because this person is focused on other people. It's a kingdom principle. And Jesus told them, if you're going to be great, pull the verse back up. Verse 11, the greatest among you must be servant. But those who exalt themselves will be humble. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. It's a principle. I got to shift my worry. I got to shift my worry. One of the most humbling seasons in our lives was when we were, we didn't have anything much. But we would pack our truck full of food. And we would, we would go with the church's credit card that we were on staff. And we would go 
and we would drop off food to other people who were less fortunate than, than us. It was just humbling. But it was getting our hearts fed. We were spiritually rich on the inside. Didn't know how we were going to pay our mother-in-law the rent, but got to take this food to this family that needs food. We were growing. And what I didn't know was that God was looking for two leaders that he could trust with more one day. God was looking for leaders that he could trust and grow and exalt to lead a local body of believers to change a city, to change a county, to change a state, to change a region. When you serve, when you serve, heaven opens up. Final point, God is in control of what is outside of our control. He has a plan. Live righteously and all your needs will be provided. I talked to my oldest sister um, about a week or so ago. She was in the hospital dealing with a heart disease. She didn't feel as though she was getting the care that she needed from the doctors and the nurses. And we used to work at this particular hospital, and so I tried to point her in some directions, get her some help. And um, she told me that her, her spirit was strong, but her heart was weak. And um, she said, thank you, bro. And we said we love each other, and we got off the phone. That was last week. This Friday, my dad called me, and uh, this is my dad's child, my sister. My dad called me and told me that my sister had passed away on Friday. And, uh, but you know what? Christ was the king of her heart. You remember that promise we stated? It's an eternal kingdom. So though she, she passed away, in her death, she sabotaged work. Because when she died, she entered into the superior kingdom where every need is met. No tears, Revelations 21, no pain, no sorrow. He wiped away every tear from their eyes. She sabotaged worry even in her death. So even in death, we win. Don't worry. God is going to move. God is at work. He's moving people out of your life right now. He's moving the right people into your life. He's moving the money and the resource and the connections. Don't worry. He's healing your body right now. In the name of Jesus, I speak healing over your body. I speak healing. Receive that. Believe that. Don't worry. He's the God of love. Hallelujah. Let's pray, church. We love you, God. We honor you. We thank you, Lord, that we don't have to worry. We trust you. Now, with every head bowed, I'm going to give you an opportunity to come to Christ today. If you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, I'll give you that opportunity. God loves you. And he sent his son on a cross to die for you. 
Maybe you're tired of sin. You're tired of running. God is here. He's calling you home. And on the count of three, if you want to receive Jesus as the Lord of your life, I'm going to give you that opportunity. We're going to pray for you. We have a gift to give you as well. One, just raise that hand high if you're coming to Christ. Two, three. bless you, sir. You can put that hand down. Hallelujah. Church, let's just repeat after me. Say, Father God, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Come into my heart. I turn from a life of sin. Help me to trust you and to not worry. Give me a purpose. Show me your plan. Lord, I love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, church. Love you guys so much.